Well, good morning. Happy Memorial Day weekend to you. I can tell we're on a holiday weekend here. If you have a Bible, please turn to the book of Luke, chapter 17. Luke chapter 17, been preaching through the book of Luke, reading verses 11 through 19 this morning. Luke chapter 17, verses 11 through 19. Let's pray before we read. Father, we thank you. We thank you for this morning. Thank you, Father, for your grace poured out to us through the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, for a free and full salvation through faith alone in Jesus Christ alone. We believe that a simple clinging to Christ in faith and we are forgiven people. We thank you for that, Lord. And we look to you now and ask, Father, that you would bless us through your word. Pray, Father, you would energize us as we hear your word this morning. I pray, Father, that we could be active listeners to your word, not just passively letting it wash over us, but actively grabbing it and actively doing something with it. I just ask you for grace for myself this morning, Lord. I just acknowledge that I am a sinner saved by grace alone. I need your help. We need your help. We look to you this morning and trust that you will help us through Jesus. For it's in his name we pray. Amen. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus was passing along between Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered a village... He was met by ten lepers who stood at a distance and lifted up their voices saying, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when he saw them, he said to them, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. Then one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. And then Jesus answered, were not ten cleansed? Where are the nine? Was no one found to return and give praise to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. Amen. You know, it's very common in our world for people to be unthankful, ungrateful, unappreciative. Most human beings just aren't that thankful by and large. Most people don't thank other people all that much. We are quick to criticize other people. We're quick to grumble and complain about other people, but we're not typically all that quick to thank other people. You can just listen to conversations at, at work someday. You'll probably hear uh, a lot more grumbling than, uh, than gratitude. You'll hear people complain quite a bit about something in the workplace, but uh, probably won't hear people express that much genuine thanks. And I, I think we'd probably hear the, the same type of thing in most homes in our world. Man, I I would imagine that in most homes, words of criticism and and words of of complaint, I would imagine that those types of words outnumber by far any words of gratitude. 
Most people just don't thank other people all that much. And most people also just don't thank God all that much. According to the Bible, God is the one who created us. Uh, God is the one who has given us all the good things that we have in this life. He's the one who's given us our bodies. He's given us breath in our lungs. He's given us sunshine and rain and food, clothing, friends, family, everything. And yet most human beings rarely, if ever, thank God for those things. Thanklessness is just a characteristic of the human race. And the Bible talks quite a bit about the thanklessness of the human race. In, in Romans one twenty one, Paul says, For although they knew God, they did not honor him as God or give thanks to him. Second Timothy 3.2, Paul predicted that in our time, people would, would be lovers of self, they'd be lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, and ungrateful. The, the human race is just an unthankful race by and large. And listen, thanklessness is not just found among unbelievers. No, thanklessness is found among believers too. Among many Christians, there's oftentimes lots of grumbling and, and complaints and, and criticisms and, and yet very little genuine giving of thanks to other people or giving of thanks to God. Alexander White, a well-known Scottish minister in the 1800s, he, he once visited an elderly woman in his church. And when he was there, the woman complained about everyone and everything. And when he rose to leave, his only comment to her was a phrase from Psalm 103, and mind you, forget not all his benefits. Uh, Sad to say, but, but thanklessness is fairly common in a lot of Christian circles. And, and man, we don't often recognize thanklessness as sin. As a pastor, I have heard lots of confessions of sin. I'm thankful for those confessions of sin. It's really, really good stuff. I don't think I have ever heard anybody simply confess thanklessness. Man, I have just been really ungrateful lately. My life has been thankless. I am filled with ingratitude right now. I don't think I've ever heard that. We, I don't think we recognize thanklessness as a sin, but it is. And here in this passage, with this healing of these ten lepers here, I think Jesus teaches us some things about being thankful Luke tells us first here about the healing itself, and then he moves on to, to tell us about the response of one individual there. So we'll kind of look at it in that order this morning. We'll look at the, the healing itself here for just a couple of minutes. Luke tells us in verse 11 that Jesus was still on his way to Jerusalem at this point. He, he knows that he's heading to Jerusalem to die, and Luke says that Jesus is now traveling between Galilee and Samaria, somewhere in the middle part of Israel on his way down south to Jerusalem. And as Jesus is just about to enter a village in that area, he's met by ten lepers. 
No, this is not the first time that Jesus has encountered uh, leprosy in the book of Luke. Back in Luke chapter 5, if you remember back there, a leper approached Jesus, begged Jesus to heal him, and Jesus did. And now ten more lepers meet Jesus here outside of this village. Leprosy was, was very, very common in first century Israel. There were lots of different forms of leprosy. It was very, very contagious, and there was no known cure for leprosy back in Jesus' day. Leprosy is still prevalent today, in, uh, especially in third world countries. Pastor Thomas and I just went to India, and, and uh, leprosy is still very prevalent over in India. And man, leprosy is a gruesome disease. Initially, when you have leprosy, you just begin to experience some pain in certain parts of your body. Pretty soon, those parts of your body begin to turn white, and then those white spots turn into open, very painful sores. Uh, You begin to lose uh, sensation in your extremities. Uh, You lose sensation in your fingers, in your toes, in your ears, your, your nose, your eyes. And because you can no longer feel pain in those areas, your, your body can no longer warn you if you happen to, to, to maybe pick up something too hot or, or you, you, you have a rock in your shoe all day long or, or you, you wash your face with scalding water or something like that. You, you no longer have any God-given warning system. You can't detect those things. In third world countries today, I know this is gross, but it's not uncommon in third world countries for rodents to actually chew on the body parts of sleeping lepers without them ever knowing it. And I think I've told you this before, but Dr. Paul Brand, a, a Christian doctor who operated for years on lepers in third world countries, after he operated on a leper as a normal post-op procedure, he would actually send a cat home with the leper to keep the rodents away. There's no God-given warning system anymore in a leper's body. And your body of parts, the parts of your body, eventually become so traumatized that they either become massively distorted or they just wear off. You can lose fingers, toes, you can lose whole limbs, you can lose your ears, your nose. It's a gruesome disease. And in Jesus' day, lepers didn't just suffer physically, they also suffered socially. Lepers were not allowed to live inside of the towns and villages. Lepers in Israel were required to live outside of the towns and villages in leper colonies. There were usually quite a few lepers who would gather together in these leper colonies outside of town. uh, And they, they were basically banished from normal community life, had no contact with family anymore, no contact with friends, couldn't go to the temple to worship God. And if a leper happened to come anywhere close to a healthy person, Person. They had to warn the healthy person by messing up their hair and tearing their clothes to identify themselves as a leper. They had to cover their upper lip and call out, unclean, unclean, to warn that healthy 
person. The lepers in Israel were outcasts. And a lot of Jews back then were just vicious towards the lepers. One Jewish rabbi is known to have thrown rocks at lepers to keep them away. And Josephus, the famous Jewish historian, he said that the lepers were treated as if, quote, they were in effect dead, end quote. And Ten lepers just encountered Jesus here. It's very possible that as Jesus is about ready to enter this village, he is walking past a leper colony, maybe out in the distance. These men had somehow heard about Jesus, maybe heard about his miracles. They somehow heard that, that Jesus is passing by, and out of sheer desperation, they call out to him from a distance, Luke says, probably because they weren't allowed to get too close to Jesus. Jesus Master, have mercy on us or have compassion on us. Be moved, Jesus, with pity for us. Have mercy on us. And man, if, if, if you have some sort of desperate need in your life, that right there is the perfect way to get your need met. Asking Jesus for mercy. And why? Because Jesus is infinitely merciful. And Jesus absolutely loves to pour out mercy on needy people who come to him for help. And man, that's really good news for you and me. (laughs) You know why? Because every last one of us has a desperate need. You know, we may not have a physical leprosy like these 10 men here, but in our fallen, natural-born condition, we do have a spiritual type of leprosy. We have a spiritual disease called sin. We are sinners at birth. And man, sin is a lot like leprosy. Sin, like leprosy, it infects every last part of you. Every part of you is affected by the sin within you. And the sin in you makes you unclean in the eyes of God. And, and that sin inside of you, it cuts you off from normal community. It cuts you off from, from, from the fellowship with God that you were created to experience. It cuts you off from fellowship with the people of God. When you have this sin disease, when you have spiritual leprosy, you don't live inside the camp with God and his people. You live outside of the camp. You are cut off from fellowship with God and his people. And because of sin, we are in effect dead. We are spiritually dead, the Bible says, because of our sin. And man, if our bodies die while our spirits are in that dead condition, if we die with this spiritual leprosy called sin, we'll be banished from the presence of God and his people forever. And the problem is we have no cure for our sin disease. We cannot possibly heal ourselves of this spiritual leprosy. So the entire human race 
has a desperate need. The entire human race is really kind of like these ten lepers here in this passage. We have a spiritual leprosy, but thankfully Jesus can heal that spiritual leprosy. Jesus lived, he died, and he rose again in order that spiritual lepers like you and me might be healed from our spiritual leprosy. And man, the really good news is that Jesus is not just able to heal the disease. He is willing to heal the disease. Jesus is infinitely merciful. And he absolutely loves to pour out mercy on needy sinners who come to him for help with their spiritual leprosy. And if you want help for your spiritual leprosy called sin, how should you approach Jesus? There it is, right in that passage. Jesus, have mercy on me, a sinner. Jesus, be moved with compassion for me. Be moved with pity for me, please. Have mercy on me, a sinner. And go to him. Simple, childlike faith. A needy sinner looking for mercy. And he, he will hear your cry and heal you from your spiritual leprosy. He will save you from your sin. And, and it meant Jesus will also hear every one of your subsequent cries for mercy. <laughs> he doesn't just hear your initial cries for mercy and give you salvation. No, he, Jesus hears every one of your future cries for mercy too. So those of you who are Christians in the room here this morning, those of you who you cried out for mercy, you cried out for salvation a long time ago, what's your need today? What is it? Do you, do you need more faith today? You, you see unbelief in your life. Do you need hope in a, desperate, in a desperate situation? Do you need courage today? Do you need perseverance today? Do you need strength, provision today? Do you need direction today? Go to Jesus again. Jesus, have mercy on me. And he will hear your cry. And he will give you that which you need. So these ten desperate, man, man, very, very desperate lepers. Can you, can you picture these guys? How desperate these men would have been? Cut off from everybody. Dying, gruesome looking, desperate men here. Cry out for mercy across the distance. And Jesus hears their cry. And he answers them. <laughs> Verse 14, go and show yourselves to the priests. <laughs> Man, you, you think about that response from Jesus. That is a bit of a strange response from Jesus. You know, typically when people ask Jesus for a healing in the Bible, what does he do? Well, <laughs> he speaks some word of healing over you. You're clean, and, 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 and he may touch you, and you're healed <laughs> instantly. But he doesn't do it here. There's no word of healing from Jesus. There's no touch from Jesus. It's just a command. Go and show yourselves to the priests. And it's, pretty, it's a pretty wild command when you think about it. You know what Jesus just asked these lepers to do? Jesus just asked these diseased lepers 
to do what healed lepers were supposed to do. According to Old Testament law, if a leper in Israel was healed of his leprosy, he then had to go and show himself to a priest after he was healed. <laughs> the priest was kind of like this, uh, this health inspector. He'd check you out if, if, if you were healed. He'd look you over, and if the priest determined that you were truly healed, well, then the priest was the one that gave the verdict, healed. And he was the one who gave the okay for you to be readmitted into normal community life. The former leper could then return to his family, his friends, his job, a full restoration now. So the leper now was not just cleansed physically, not just healed physically, but he was also uh, healed, restored socially back to his family, back to the temple, all of that. And, and man, Jesus just told these diseased lepers to do what healed lepers were supposed to do. You sick and suffering lepers, you diseased, you distorted, grotesque outcasts, Go show yourselves to the priests. <laughs> and, do, and don't you think, don't you think these 10 men were maybe a little bit confused <laughs> when Jesus told them to do that? Did he just say, show ourselves to the priests? Hey, buddy, look at us. Aren't you supposed to heal us first? I think they were probably a little bit confused what Jesus asked them to do. But man, do you, do you see what Jesus is asking these men to do? He's asking them to take a walk of faith. He's given them a command. They now have his spoken word. They, they have the word of God. <laughs> but in order to receive a blessing from him, they must actually do something with that word. They must actually step out and do something in obedience to that word. Nothing happened to the men when they simply heard his word. In order to receive a blessing, they had to act on it, obey it, a walk of faith. And Jesus asked you and me to do the same type of thing. You know, because we have commands from Jesus too. The word of God the Bible. We, ha we have the, the spoken word of God, but in order to receive a blessing from God, you actually have to do something with that word. You, you, you have to do something in obedience to that word. Nothing happens to you if you just sit and hear it your entire life. It's not just the hearers of the word that are changed. It's those who hear and do the word of God, a walk of faith. Jesus asked these leopards here to take a walk of faith, and they do. <laughs> I think they were probably a little bit confused by his command. Maybe they didn't see the point of his command. It's like you and me reading through the Bible in the morning, and you run into those commands. I don't see the point, so I'm not going to do it. Well, that's not a reason not to do it. See, I think they might not have seen the point of the command, but they did it anyways. They did it. 
And look again at what happened in verse 14. Luke says, And as they went, as they obeyed the strange command from Jesus, they were cleansed, healed, ulcers gone. Can you imagine seeing that? Fingers, toes, ears, noses restored. Skin, (laughs) skin like baby skin. Instantly healed, restored. Can you imagine what that would feel like if that was you? And man, what we see there is the power of Jesus to heal needy people who plead with him for mercy and obey his word in faith. And J.C. Ryle says, quote, This shows us the wisdom of simple, childlike obedience to every word which comes from the mouth of Christ. It does not become us to stand still and reason and doubt when our master's commands are plain and unmistakable. It is in the path of unhesitating obedience that Christ will meet us and bless us. End quote. Man, the best part of the whole thing, I think, this healing, is that these men here, they now are restored to normal community life. They get to go back to their families. Some of these men probably haven't hugged and kissed their families in years, and they get to do it today. They go back and eat dinner with their friends. They get to go back to the temple, a complete restoration. And you know what? Jesus does the same type of thing for every spiritual leper who comes to him for mercy. He cleanses you of your spiritual leprosy, but he doesn't leave you there. No, then he brings you in to community, into genuine fellowship with God and with God's people, full, a complete restoration. So that's the healing here. And Luke then tells us about the response of one of the former lepers. Look at verse 15 again. Luke says that one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back, praising God with a loud voice, and he fell on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks. Now he was a Samaritan. So one man, a Samaritan, turns back. And Luke seems to be indicating there that the other nine lepers were Jews. He refers to the Samaritan later as a foreigner, implying that the others were not foreigners. They were most likely Jews. So, most likely nine Jews here, and one non-Jew, this Gentile Samaritan. And pretty amazing that these Jews and this Samaritan were even together at the beginning of the passage when Jesus saw them. Because Jews and Samaritans of first century Israel, they hated each other. Jews, they they called the Samaritans dogs and half-breeds. The Jews considered the Samaritans to be filthy sinners. As far as the Jews were concerned, the Samaritans were the worst outcasts on the planet. And Jews, by and large, would have nothing to do with Samaritans. But it seems that they're together here. Misery loves company in this life. And it seems that in their misery as lepers, 
Nine Jews and this one Samaritan had all banded together in some way. And as these ten lepers all now head off to see the priest, they suddenly realize that they've all been healed. And nine of them, supposedly Jews, apparently continue on their way to see the priests. But the Samaritan doesn't. Luke says that the Samaritan... In response to his healing, he did four things. One, he turns back. Turns back toward Jesus. Two, he praises God with a loud voice. And I love the Greek there. Luke says that this man praises God with a phonase megalase. Do you know what English word we get from phonase megalase? Or megalase phonase? megaphone. (laughs) Luke is saying this man is praising God with a megaphone loudly so everybody could hear him. Praise God! I've been healed! And three, he falls on his face at the feet of Jesus. Now you think about that. Just, Just a few seconds ago, this this man wasn't allowed within a hundred yards of Jesus. But now he falls at his feet, maybe even grabbing onto his feet. And for he thanks Jesus. Now we don't know what this Samaritan understood about Jesus at this point. We don't know if this Samaritan understood at this point that that Jesus is God. But, but man, this Samaritan, at this point, at the very least, this Samaritan knew that God had somehow just worked through Jesus and that God was somehow connected to Jesus. And he falls at the feet of Jesus, praising God, and at the very same time, Thanking Jesus. Praise God. Thank you, 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 Jesus. At the very same time. So nine continue on. One returns. And Jesus comments on it. You look at verse 17 again. Then Jesus answered, We're not ten cleansed. Where are the nine? Was no one found to return? And give praise to God except this foreigner? And that right there, I believe, is the most important verse in this entire passage. With most of Jesus' miracles, it's not necessarily the miracle itself that is the most important thing in the passage. On many occasions, it's the teaching that either comes before or after the miracle. And there's the teaching in this passage with those words there. I think Jesus is probably teaching us several different things. For starters, I think Jesus is probably just teaching us a very simple lesson there about thankfulness. (laughs) This Samaritan just received an amazing blessing from God. And he praised God for it. Gave thanks to God for it. And if you look at the Samaritan, his thanks here, it, it, it wasn't just this sort of vague internal gratitude. 
you know, just this, just a general feeling of thankfulness in his heart. No, it was an external, verbal expression of gratitude. A verbal expression of appreciation. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. And Jesus clearly here is commending the Samaritan for what he does here. And with his commendation of the Samaritan, I think Jesus is probably telling us to do the same thing. When you receive a blessing from God, thank God for it. And not just internally, but externally. In words. Yes, it's good to have this vague sort of thankfulness in your heart as you walk around every day. That's good. Great. But God wants us to express our thanks in words, verbally, in our prayers, thanking God for his gifts in our prayers, in our songs, thanking God, in your family devotions with your kids, thanking God for the things that he's blessed you with, in your conversations with other believers or unbelievers, thanking God for the things that he has blessed you with. And listen, we have so many reasons to thank God. We have so many reasons. God has given all of us so many blessings in this life, so many incredible blessings that we don't deserve from him. According to the Bible, because of our sin, the only thing we deserve from God is his immediate and unending wrath. And man, anything less than that in your life, anything that God gives you that is not Immediate and unending wrath. That is an incredible blessing that you do not deserve. And God has blessed all of us with so many incredible blessings that we do not deserve. He's given us this incredible world to walk around in. Given us these amazing bodies. He's put breath in our lungs. Every breath you take is a blessing from God that you don't deserve. That's a blessing. That's a blessing. That's a blessing that you don't deserve. He's given us friends. He's given us families. He's given us homes. He's given us jobs. He's given us all of these amazing things. He's given us really good food in this life. I mean, God didn't have to make food taste good. You realize that? Could have just been like, you know, sticking a hose in your side and you fill up for the day. But man, he gave us food, and the stuff tastes good. That's a blessing from God. When you sit down to eat your lunch today, and you put it in your mouth, think, man, that's a blessing from God. I didn't deserve that bite right there. That tasted so good. And listen, God has even given us his own son. And if you trust in Christ today, then God has also healed you of your spiritual leprosy. It's gone. God has given you eternal life. According to the book of Ephesians, God has blessed you with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Oh my word. God has showered us with blessings. And it is good and right to give thanks for those blessings. God wants us to give thanks for those blessings verbally. Ephesians 5.20, give thanks for everything. 
1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances. Thanklessness. Thanklessness is a characteristic of our world. But listen, thanklessness is a sin, especially for believers who have been blessed with so much. Give thanks. And listen, not just to God. Give thanks to other people as well. Verbal thanks to other people. Say thank you to other people regularly. Christians should be saying thank you to other people more than any other people on this planet. Because Christians should understand that every kind act that is done to them is a blessing that they do not deserve on this earth. And they should be saying thank you regularly. Man, some of you need to go home and verbally thank the people in your family. Or you need to verbally thank the people in your church family. People who have cared for you. People who have served you. People who have probably put up with you. And some of you, I would imagine, have hardly said thank you to anyone in months. And you need to do it. Thanklessness is a sin. Jesus wants us to deal with it. When we don't thank people, when we don't thank God, when we're not thankful people, Do you know what that usually indicates? It usually indicates that I have a heart of entitlement. And I think I deserve the good things that happen to me in this life. And I will grumble and complain if I don't get those good things. If we're not thankful, it usually indicates a heart of entitlement. It's rooted in pride. Give thanks. Give thanks to God and other people. I think Jesus is probably just teaching us here, for starters, a very simple lesson about thankfulness, but I don't believe that's all Jesus is teaching us here. You know, it's easy to read through this story of the ten lepers, and you walk away from the story thinking the only real lesson here is that simple lesson about thanking God. And, and, and the thinking goes something like this. Here's the thinking. I, I think when a lot of people read this story, here, here's the thinking. Well, 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 one man in the story gave thanks to God. And nine men in the story did not give thanks to God. So... Be like the one and not like the nine. Make sure that you are giving thanks to God. Now, that's, I heard this passage taught like that for years in the Christian church. And I do think there's a simple lesson there about thanking God. Yes, make sure you thank God for your blessings. But I think there's more to it here. I personally, I don't believe that only one leper in this story thanked God for his healing. I don't believe that. Now, I could be wrong, but I personally believe that all of the lepers in this story thanked God. Now, the other nine were most likely Jews. 
they probably knew a lot about the God of Israel. They probably knew very well from the Old Testament scriptures that the God of Israel was a miracle-working God. They are going off to the priests in the temple here, the God of Israel. And I think it's very, very likely that they recognized here that it was God who had healed them. And I think it's also very likely that as they head off to see the priests here, they are thanking God. Even verbally thanking God, maybe. R.C. Sproul says that when these nine other lepers saw that they had been healed, there's no doubt that they began leaping for joy and couldn't wait to go home to their families. And, Sproul says, they they very probably would have got down on their knees and thanked God. And I agree with that. I think all ten of these lepers probably thanked God for their healing. I don't believe that the primary difference between the lepers in this passage is that one thanked God and the other nine did not thank God. So what is the primary difference between the lepers here in this story? Here it is, I believe. Only one of these ten lepers here thanked God in and through Jesus Christ. I think the other nine lepers probably thanked God while walking away from Jesus. And only one leper thanked God while walking toward Jesus. I think nine lepers probably thanked God apart from Jesus. And only one of them thanked God in and through Jesus Christ. And something happened in the heart of the Samaritan that did not happen in the hearts of the other nine. When this Samaritan was healed, something clicked in him. It clicked. And, and, and he knew He knew just like the others, I believe. He he knew that it was God who had healed him. But he, unlike the others, I believe, he recognized that God was somehow connected to that man right over there. We don't know what the Samaritan knew about Jesus. But at the very least, the Samaritan knew that God had just worked powerfully through Jesus. And he knew that God was somehow connected to Jesus. And this one man returns and praises God. He thanks God not apart from Jesus, but thanks God in and through Jesus. That, I believe, is the major difference between the lepers. Nine, thank God apart from Jesus. One, thank God in and through Jesus. Man, a spontaneous sort of devotion was sparked in the heart of this Samaritan. Something happened deep inside of his heart. And he knows that Jesus has done something amazing for him. And he runs to Jesus, falls at the feet of Jesus, 
praises God, and at the very same time, thanks Jesus. An overflow of devotion for Jesus. And look at what Jesus says to the man in verse 19. Rise and go your way. Your faith has made you well. And the Greek verb there that's translated as made you well, that is the Greek verb for salvation. So that right there could also be translated as your faith has saved you. Your faith has saved you. Now Jesus could just be talking about his physical healing there. Your faith has saved you from physical leprosy, but I think Jesus is probably saying more than that there. I think Jesus is probably telling us there that this man just got saved. Saved from his physical leprosy, but also saved from his spiritual leprosy. Saved from his sin. The other nine lepers had enough faith to be healed by Jesus, but the Samaritan has faith in Jesus. He recognized God was somehow connected to Jesus. He had a sudden overwhelming love and devotion for Jesus, a faith in Jesus. He falls at the feet of Jesus, thanks God in and through Jesus. Man, that right there, that is the way to thank God in our lives. That's the way to thank God for blessings in your life. Give thanks to God, yes. It is good, it is right to give thanks to God for blessings, but listen, in order to thank God properly, in, in order for your thanks to be acceptable and pleasing to God, you must thank Him in and through Jesus Christ. Why? Because Jesus is God. Jesus is God the Son, the one and only Son of God, the one and only mediator between God the Father and you. John 14, 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man gets to the Father but through me. In order to thank God properly, in order for your thanks to be acceptable and pleasing to God, you must thank him in and through Christ. You cannot thank God apart from Christ. You must thank God in and through Jesus. And that's what the Bible tells us over and over again. The Bible tells us to thank God, yes, but it is constantly telling us to thank God through Jesus Christ. Just listen to these verses. Ephesians 5.20, give thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And if Hebrews 13, 15, through Jesus, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. Through Jesus, let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. You cannot thank God apart from Jesus. You can only thank God in and through Jesus. Man, I think it's very possible that the other nine lepers were thanking God as they walked away. Thanking God for the healing. Thanking God for this blessing in their life. But listen, if their thanks, if their thanks were not going in and through Jesus Christ, their thanks was not pleasing and acceptable to God. It was an abomination to God. 
And that's important for us to consider because people all over this world are thanking some sort of God for the blessings in their lives. They're thanking some sort of God for blessings. But blessings that don't go in and through Jesus. Blessings that that, that go up towards God, that don't come from a place where you're seated at the feet of Jesus. Thanks that are not going through the mediation of Jesus. They're not pleasing and acceptable thanks to God. They're an abomination to God. I think that's what was going on with these nine other lepers probably. Praising God, but not through Christ. And it wasn't pleasing to God at all. That's the way a lot of the Jews in Jesus' day were. They were offering up some sort of sacrifices and thanksgiving to God. They were even offering it up to the God of the Bible. But they were not offering those up in and through Jesus Christ. And so none of those sacrifices were acceptable to God. They were an abomination. And man, the people who got it in Jesus' day, the people who got it who did come to Jesus and offered up acceptable sacrifices through Jesus, they're people like the Samaritans. They're the outcasts in Israel, the foreigners in Israel. Their hearts were being opened up. They were seeing, yes, it's Jesus. All these blessings are ultimately coming through him. They're falling at his feet. They're worshiping him, and God is saving them. But so many people were missing. Offering thanks to God apart from Jesus. And I think Jesus is saying to us here, give thanks like the Samaritan. Give thanks to God for the blessings in your life, yes. But man, give thanks in and through Christ. And your thanks will be supremely acceptable and pleasing to God. A lesson in thankfulness. Give thanks to God, but man, give it through Jesus, your life. And you know what's ultimately going to cause you to do that? To give proper thanks to God through Christ. And your life just has to be changed by Christ. Radically changed by Christ. You look at the commands in the Bible to give thanks, they're all over the place. God commands us to give thanks. But that's ultimately not going to cause us to give thanks. Ultimately, our lives just have to be radically changed by Christ. Like this Samaritan, you have to see that you are an outcast, cut off from the presence of God. You have to receive what Christ has done on the cross. And man, when he radically changes you on the inside, it just spurs this devotion and this thanksgiving to God through Christ Jesus. Yes, we need to hear the commands to give thanks, but ultimately, man, our hearts just have to be changed by God through Christ. And we will begin to give thanks to God and to Jesus Charles Spurgeon, he talked with a a lady, lost woman at one point, just very, very lost woman, and he began to tell her about about Christ and the saving gift of Christ, and, and she said to him, she said, oh, Mr. Spurgeon, if Christ saves me, he will never hear the end of it. And that's kind of the way it goes. Your life is radically changed by Christ. He never hears the end of it. You fall at his feet in devotion. You thank him. You praise him. You love him. You know God just did something amazing through Christ. And you never want to let him hear the end of it. That's a believer. That's a Christian. So yeah, man, let's, let's hear the commands in the Bible to give thanks to God. Let, let's do it. Let's aim to do it. But man, I just pray that our hearts would be radically changed by Christ. By God through Christ. And we'll fall like the Samaritan. 
and give praise and thanks to God through Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, for uh, what you have done through Christ. We thank you, Father, that you've opened up a way for us to enter the kingdom of heaven, outcasts like us. And I do pray, Father, hearts would be changed. And like this Samaritan, we would fall on our knees and give praise to you and thanks to Christ for what you have done. Lord, fall in devotion to you, worshiping you, thanking you verbally in our prayers and our conversations, Lord. Just thank thankfulness pouring out of us. Pray you would do this work in our hearts, Father. Do thank you for it, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen.